You're listening to the Touch Em Up Podcast. I'm your host, Double M, and on today's episode, we're going to be going over next weekend's huge card from Abu Dhabi, UFC 242, Khabib, the Eagle, Nurmagomedov, versus Dustin, the Diamond Poirier, to determine the reigning, defending, lightweight champion of the world. So without any further ado, let's get this started and step into the ring. Hey everyone, how's everybody doing tonight? Um, I'm really excited for this card. I think you guys have noticed if you've been listening to the podcast on a weekly basis. I For the last month and a half, two months, all I've been able to talk about or all I've been thinking about in terms of MMA was Khabib versus Dustin Poirier. Khabib versus Dustin Poirier. Khabib versus Dustin Poirier. Just That's literally all that's been on my mind and it's because it's such a big fight. I know McGregor versus Khabib at, one, at 229 was a bigger fight, but that's arguably one of the biggest fights they've ever done in the sport of mixed martial arts. And this fight, honestly, it's just, it's such a close fight. And I think a lot of people aren't giving Dustin Poirier the credit that the man deserves for some of the guys he's beat. We'll go over it when I break down the main event, but the guy is, deserves to be where he's at and could definitely walk out with the lightweight championship and hand Habib his first loss in professional mixed martial arts. And we'll go over that. That's obviously going to be the last fight I break down, but there's some good fights on the card besides that. I mean, the co-main event, the rematch between Paul, the Irish dragon Felder and Edson junior Barbosa, that's going to be an amazing fight. And then what I didn't think was that big of a fight until I did some more research was uh, Habib's training partner, Islam Mahachev versus Davi Hamos. And I didn't think it was that big to me. You know, I was kind of like, all right, whatever. It's Habib's training partner. Like, I'm sure the support will be good for him since it's in Abu Dhabi. But I looked into the highlights and stuff and their records and everything. And this is going to be a really good fight. Do not sleep on this fight. And then we've got a fight on the prelims, a little diamond in the rough action over there, which I will go into in a little bit. Obviously, tomorrow night, we've got or tomorrow morning, I think it's at 5 a.m., we've got Jessica Andrade defending her newly won strawweight championship against Wei Li Zhang in China. And this is going to be a really good fight. And I think a lot of people might be counting out Wei Li just because of what Andrade was able to do to Rose Namajunas. But you got to understand, she was getting pieced up in that fight before then with just the crisp, the check left hooks and straight down the center line with that right hand and cutting the angles when Andrade tried to push Rose up against the fence. But she found a way to win. Um, Rose had the wrong grip on that Kimura, didn't grab the wrist or didn't have the correct grip, and that's why she got slammed on the side of her head. And that's it. You've got a new strawweight champion in Jessica Andrade. So I know, I think on the previous episode, I said I was picking... Jessica Andrade to knock out Wei Li Zhang. I'm actually going to change my thoughts on that. I might have said Wei Li in my previous podcast. I'm not 100% sure. I didn't go back and listen to what I said. But I'm going to go with Wei Li in this fight. I definitely think Andrade obviously has more power. and But I think the technical ability of Wei Li Zhang is just going to be a little bit too much for Andrade. I think she's going to move forward like she always does and try to wing her punches and throw those wild right and left hooks and try to catch on uh, Wei Li on the chin as she possibly as she exits the clinch or when she gets in close up against the fence, she'll rip hooks to the body and then come up top kind of like a female Vanderlei Silva. But I think Wei Li's just going to be too crisp and too technical for her and also too a little bit more patient 
and just being able to manage the distance, blast those roundhouse kicks to the leg, to the body. She can do spinning hook kicks and wheel kicks and stuff like that. But her grappling, I think, is probably going to be what's the biggest difference in this fight. I think Whaley, if you saw her fight against Tisha Torres, she's really good at using hip tosses and throws whenever you get into clinch range. or When you're in the clinch, she'll get that headlock. Um, she'll get like that bulldog choke headlock or the headlock and toss you over with the hip toss and get you to the ground and work her ground game from there. And I just think she's a more well-rounded fighter overall. And I'm picking Whaley Zhang to defeat Jessica Andrade via unanimous decision and become the new strawweight champion. I don't think Andrade gets a rematch. And I think Rose Namajunas fights Weili Zhang after this. I know people think she might not be coming back, which definitely is a possibility. You know, we don't know where Rose's head is at, but I know her manager said she's looking to come back and get another fight and get her belt back. So I'm saying possibly Weili Zhang versus Rose Namajunas early next year, maybe January, February 2020. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. But yes, I'm picking Weili Zhang to become the new strawweight champion of the world. Now, let's get into the bread and butter of the, the, the podcast, what we came here to do, talking about UFC 242 in Abu Dhabi next Saturday morning, or afternoon, actually, not at night, next Saturday. I've already said who the main event is, obviously, the lightweight championship of the world between the reigning, defending, undefeated lightweight champion, Habib the Eagle, the Magomedov, and the interim lightweight champion of the world, Dustin the Diamond Poirier. So let's start off with the prelims. We've got one good fight on the prelims, which is going to be Joanne Calderwood versus Andrea KGB Lee in the strawweight division. And, you know, I was at Joanne Calderwood's last fight, I believe, at UFC 238, where she fought Caitlin Chukagian. I ended up showing up late. I only saw like the last two minutes of the third round. But I know that Caitlin Chukagian got the victory over Joanne Calderwood. I heard it was a pretty one-sided beatdown. And Andrea KGB Lee is a really, really, really solid kickboxer, has good elbows in tight, just a good solid tie boxer. Joanne Calderwood is, is as well. I feel like this is going to be a striking matchup the entire time. And to be honest, I'm excited to see Andrea Lee. I think she kind of flew has flown a little bit under the radar in terms of like fan base and everything like that. And the records in this fight, Joanne Calderwood has a record of 13 wins, four losses. Andrea Lee, 11 wins and two losses. And I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick Andrea Lee to get a decision here. I don't think Joanne Calderwood gets finished. I'm rooting for Joanne Calderwood because she's always been one of my favorites in the strawweight division without a doubt. Um, ever since that season of the ultimate fighter where they introduced the, the strawweight division, or not, yeah, introduced strawweight division. She's been one of my favorites, but I just think Andrea Lee is going to be too crisp and clean for Joanne to hand, handle. And I think she gets a, I'm going to say a third round TKO for Andrea Lee. Now we'll get to the main card. And to be honest, when people look at this main card, just like casual fans, you'll look at the main event and be like, oh, okay, that's a great fight. You'll look at the co-main event. Okay. That's a good fight. But then you'll look at another fight on this card between Islam Makhachev and Davi Hamos. And I don't think that that fight is getting as much credit as it deserves. I didn't give it as much credit as it deserved either because I was like, okay, Islam Makhachev is obviously Makhachev, Makhachev. I think it's Makhachev. But 
I think uh, a lot of people are just counting, okay, Islam's a training partner of Habib, trains under Habib's father, um, Abdul Manap Nurmagomedov. And I think people just aren't giving him enough, giving this fight enough attention because they think Islam's just going to run straight through Davi Hamos. And trust me when I say this, this fight is either going to be a striking matchup because Islam can't get the takedown or Hamos can't get the takedown, or it's going to be one of the best grappling exchanges you've seen in a mixed martial arts fight because Islam is a great wrestler. You know, he has that Habib Russian Sambo style of wrestling. He'll just bum rush forward, shoot shoot a low single from across the fence or push you up against the fence with punches to transition to a double leg or a single leg takedown and then pull you down towards the one side. And he likes to do that leg triangle mount where he where he ties up your legs up against the fence and then punches you, kind of like what Habib does. He did it to Conor McGregor where he was able to double leg him, get him down. Um, I believe he pushed his weight onto his right shoulder as he had both legs wrapped up in his grip. And then he is able to kick the one leg over on top of the other and triangle the legs of his opponent in between his legs to keep them in place. And then they have to worry about untangling their feet before they can get up off the fence and get back up to their feet. So this fight, I think, like I said, I think a lot of people are counting out Davi Hamos. He's obviously a multiple time Brazilian jiu-jitsu world champion. Some of the best grappling in the sport of mixed martial arts. He gets a lot of rear naked choke finishes, but if you look up some of his grappling matches prior to his UFC competition, he's he's very, very good. For a big guy, he could move around like, like a way smaller dude than he actually is. I know it's at only at 155 pounds, but Hamos can move around like a, like a freaking bantamweight when he gets you on the ground. Easily transitions to the back, is able to get the hooks in from weird positions and work towards arm bars and rear naked chokes. And... I'm going to pick Davi Hamos to beat Islam Mahachev. I know Mahachev's 17 and 1 and Hamos is 10 and 2, but I think Hamos's grappling and jiu-jitsu is going to be able to stifle some of most of the grappling transitions and moves that Islam is able to is going to try to implement. You know, he he kind of fights like Habib, obviously not that high level. He's very good. Very 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 good grappler and mixed martial artist all around. But I think Hamos is stronger on the feet and quicker in terms of his strikes. And I think on the ground, even if Islam's able to take down Hamos, his uh, his ground game from his back and on the uh, and on the top, you know, top position in half guard and back control and mount, I think it can always work out well for him. And that's why I'm picking Davi Hamos to get the win via unanimous decision. I think he just outpositions Islam and outstrikes him on the feet for 15 minutes. And we'll say split decision just because I feel like since it's going to be a pro-Islam crowd and Habib crowd, um, the judges could always give it to him. Even if, if it's a close fight, expect it to go to Islam. If it's a dominating fight, Hamos has to get the win, but you always got to be worried about the judges. But I'm going to go with Davi Hamos to improve to 11-2 and two via split decision. Next, we move to the co-main event of the evening, a rematch in the lightweight division between Edson Jr. Barbosa and Paul the Irish Dragon Felder. Edson Barbosa holds a record of 20 wins, 7 losses. Paul Felder, 16 wins and 4 defeats. Um, Paul Felder obviously works. Uh, he did train at Jackson Wing for a while in the, bed, the BMF ranch with Donald Cowboy Cerrone, but he also 
has been working on a on a Rufus sport with guys like Tyron Woodley, Ben Askren, Anthony Pettis, Sergio Pettis, just to name a few of the guys that train out of Rufus sport. Edson Barbosa is coming off that loss to Justin Gaethje via that vicious left hook knockout. I think, no, you know what? I, yeah, I think it was a left hook as he circled off the fence after Gaethje pressured him. It was a vicious knockout, and it's going to be interesting to see what Barbosa shows up in this fight. Will he be tentative because he got knocked out in his last fight, or will we see the old Edson Barbosa where he just rips, kicks to the legs, to the body, to the head, just such fast twitch muscle. He has the fastest kicks in the sport of mixed martial arts and some of the most powerful kicks. Um, even though Justin Gaethje, I feel like, won that little leg kick ward that they had during their fight. I definitely think Barbosa is going to be a little bit tentative in this. Whenever you get knocked out, and I, I can't speak from experience because I've never been knocked out, knock on wood, but uh, whenever you get knocked out, usually the next fight you have, you either just stop caring and bum rush forward or you're you're tentative because you don't want to overcommit and leave yourself to getting knocked out again because once you get knocked out, it's easier to get knocked out again. Uh, let me just check and see what Paul Felder's last fight was. I believe it was the fight against Mike Perry where he fought with a collapsed lung. Okay, no, that was against James Vick. He fought with a collapsed lung, I think, unless I'm wrong. But, uh, yeah, James Vick, he beat James Vick via, via unanimous decision at UFC on ESPN 1 on February 17th. And to be honest, I think Felder's going to get the job done here. I know people are going to say Barbosa is going to be too quick for Felder on the feet. But like I said, when you get knocked out, usually that fight afterwards, you're more tentative to throwing shots as easily as you did before because you know you're you're not invincible. You've been knocked out before, and it's easier to be knocked out again. And I think Barbosa will obviously throw a lot of kicks. He'll have a kick-heavy attack, probably use that jab to set up rear leg kicks and kicks to the body or that vicious switch kick to the liver. But I just feel like Felder's going to be – more relaxed and composed and just able to dictate the pace a little bit more than Barbosa. And I think, I think he's going to finish Edson Barbosa. I'm going to say a third round TKO. I think first round is going to be real close. I think Barbosa probably is going to just light him up with a few kicks, but I think Felder's going to be able to come back and return. I think second round Edson gets, is going to get a little bit tired because he puts so much effort and power into his strikes that, he, you know, kind of can waste his gas tank a little bit. You've seen him tire out in fights before. And I just think Felder's going to be able to gradually pick up the pace over 15 minutes. And I'm leaning more towards decision, but I think he's going to get the finish. I'm going to go Paul Felder via third round TKO over Edson Barbosa. Yep. I know you guys might not agree with me, but I think Felder is looking better and better as in his fights. And to be able to fight and win when you have a collapsed lung just shows the mental toughness and, and fortitude that you have. And I think he's just going to be able to push Edson Barbosa into those deep waters, into the deep, dark, murky worlds of the underworld in those, that 15-minute fight and just outwork him and get the finish in the third round. Now, what everybody's been waiting for, the main event of the evening for the lightweight championship of the world. The reigning, defending, lightweight champion, Habib, the Eagle, Nurmagomedov, 
versus Dustin, the Diamond Poirier, the interim lightweight champion, earning the title after defeating Max Holloway at UFC 236 in a crazy five-round back-and-forth war. Oh, man, I've never... I don't think I've been this hyped for a fight in a really long time. Maybe the last time was the Poirier-Holloway fight at UFC 236 that also had Adesanya versus Kelvin Gastelum. But, man, this fight is going to be absolutely bananas from start to finish. And it's really going to be hard... I know a lot of people are instantly going to count out Dustin Poirier. They're going to say, Habib just dominates everybody. Dustin hasn't, isn't ready for this guy. Nobody's ready for Habib. It's Habib time. Shout out to my friend uh, Jacob, you know, Habib Jr. He knows what I mean by that. You know, wrestle bears, my friend. Um, but anyway, I think Habib has fought and obviously undefeated. It's it's very impressive to go undefeated in a, in a mixed martial arts, in professional mixed martial arts, to say the least. But when you look at the caliber of opponents that Habib has fought versus the caliber of opponents that Poirier has fought, I mean, just over Poirier's last five fights, you had Anthony Pettis, Eddie Alvarez, Justin Gaethje, Max Holloway, Eddie Alvarez prior to that, so just those past four fights for Poirier that he's won. Eddie Alvarez, TKO. Anthony Pettis, TKO, or submission, tap out, but because Pettis popped a rib, but he was on his way to winning that fight. Justin Gaethje, crazy five-round war, fourth-round TKO, and then you've got the five-round war against Max Holloway where he was able to get the decision to become the interim lightweight champion of the world. And you look at Habib, he's, he hasn't been that active. But the guys he's beaten, let's go over just the last three fights. Ally, or Edson Barbosa at UFC 219 dominated him from start to finish. Ally Quinta at UFC 223 on short notice. It was supposed to be Tony Ferguson, but Ferguson got injured the day of the fight, I believe, or the night before. And um, they had to find a replacement, which was going to be Max Blessed Holloway. But then he did, couldn't make weight, so they threw in Iaquinta. And Iaquinta put up a good fight. He got dominated for some of the rounds, but he definitely put up a really solid performance. And then Conor McGregor didn't, I wouldn't say dominated McGregor, because I feel like McGregor did some good things towards that third and fourth round. And I think arguably he won that third round against Habib. But he did win and uh, submitted him with that neck crank, rear naked choke. But caliber of opponents, Dustin Poirier wins all the way. He's had way tougher fights than Habib. And it could be maybe Habib's just so good that he doesn't he makes the fights not look that hard because he's able to dominate everybody and smash them, smash this guy. But Dustin has fought champions back to back to back to back to back champions. Max Holloway, current reigning defending featherweight champion of the world. Anthony Pettis, former lightweight champion. Eddie Alvarez, former lightweight champion. Justin Gaethje, former lightweight champion in World Series of Fighting. I mean, he's fought in champions, and he hasn't gone in and, and destroyed them right off the bat. He's been able to push past those walls and come back after being beaten in, some, in a round before that and find a way to win. Being able to find a way to win when you're losing a fight is a lot harder than being able to dominate a fight from start to finish. And one of the main things I think Habib's going to be looking to do in this fight, I don't think he's going to try to strike with Poirier, which he shouldn't. Because if this fight stays on the feet, 
Poirier is going to piece up Habib Nurmagomedov from bell to bell. Obviously, Habib has got his striking has gotten better. He has a he has a he has a decent jab, you know, a pretty good jab and a left hook. He likes to throw that jab, fake the right hand, and come over with that left hook from the same side. Jab, left hook. But I think Habib's going to be looking to do the same thing he did against McGregor and and Li Quinta, which is fake up top and shoot a lunging single leg from halfway across the fence, ankle pick, lift the leg. Over your head, push down, take him down, get back, control, and get in the mount. I think that's what Habib's going to be looking to do. I also think he's going to be looking to get Poirier's back against the fence. But Poirier's good. You know, he has a little bit of trouble when he gets his back against the fence. I feel like the most success that Poirier's last few opponents have had is when they're able to get him to shell up up against the fence and can work some shots and try to take him down. He did get taken down by Eddie Alvarez, but it was more off of a guillotine attempt from Dustin Poirier where he jumped guard into that guillotine, and then Eddie got out, um, pushed down on the hands, and locked up his legs like Habib Nurmagomedov. If you go back to the second fight between Poirier and Alvarez, he was able to get out of that guillotine and then lock up the legs in mount up against the fence. This is what Habib is going to be looking to do against Poirier. He's going to be looking to take you down with a single, transition it to a double leg, move over or uh, grab both your legs, put his weight on his one shoulder, pull your legs, if it's on the right shoulder, put his weight on the right shoulder, pull your legs toward that right shoulder, lock up in a triangle position, and lock your legs on top of each other and leg lace. Not leg lace, I'm sorry, that's a different term but lock your legs on top of each other and then work those uppercuts up against the fence, elbows and punches like he did against Edson Barbosa. But a lot of people are forgetting Poirier did not get taken down in that fight against Eddie Alvarez. He got a transition from a guillotine choke, which he jumped guard into, and then Alvarez got out. But here's the thing. You know who did this against... If Poirier jumps guard to, to pull a guillotine... It's game over. I'm sorry, it's game over. But he knows that it's game over because you know who else did that? Michael Johnson at UFC 205 in Madison Square Garden. And and Michael Johnson had a lot of success against Habib in that first round. He landed a right, right hook to a left hand on Habib and stunned him, stunned him bad and hurt him. Probably the most hurt we've ever seen an opponent of Habib Nurmagomedov due to him. That was the most hurt that Habib's been in any of his fights. And I think it was just the, the speed of Michael Johnson, number one. But also, he just didn't care. He just bum-rushed forward and kind of tried to kill him. But once Michael Johnson stuffed a few of his takedowns, which he did. He stuffed around two or three of his takedowns. But he jumped guard after into a guillotine after stuffing one of the takedowns. And that was game over. So if Poirier jumps guard into the guillotine, that's it. it it's game over. But I do feel like Dustin Poirier is going to be able to get up to his feet after being taken down by Habib. I think his pace and his pressure and his will to win. Dustin Poirier has a will that I don't think anybody in, in mixed martial arts can break. If you're able to beat Justin Gaethje in a war, in a back-and-forth war, you show how good and how much grit and determination and fortitude you have to win and become a champion. And I think this is going to be a lot of trouble for Habib. I think first round, it's probably going to be like the McGregor fight. He's going to shoot, 
Probably take Poirier down. He'll stuff one or two of the takedowns. Probably land some good shots against Habib. Get taken down. Probably, you know, just just play it out a little bit like McGregor did in that first round. Just work on defense. Don't think about getting up to your feet right away. Try to tire Habib out. First round goes to Habib. Second round, I think Poirier try, starts to put a little bit more pressure on him and rip right hooks to the body and try to get in close and land that, which I talked about in my breakdown of Poirier on my previous episodes. If you have not listened to the double trouble breakdown on Dustin Poirier, but I'll leave episode three of the breakdown. He likes to work that right hook to the head and right uppercut. And he'll either do it from a collar clinch or in close, just close to you up against the fence. Right hook, right uppercut, left hooks to the body. That left straight off an inside or outside leg kick worked well for him against Justin Gaethje. And I think Poirier's combinations are going to cause trouble. You know, when Habib got hurt, it, McGregor only threw one, two punches. Ally Quinta, one, two, maybe three punches finishing with a hook. But I Poirier throws five, six, seven punch combos, right hook, right uppercut, right hook, left hook to the body, left straight, right hook, double jab with the right hand. And I think the jab of Poirier and the defensive wrestling are going to give Habib trouble and spell the end for Habib Nurmagomedov. I think, like I said, Habib wins the first round. Poirier gets a little bit of good work off in that first round, stops any submission attempts that uh, Habib tries to do on him. Um, I could see Poirier trying to go for submissions off of his back, but I don't think he's going to be focused on that. But that could also be a thing that we haven't seen against Habib. Nobody really tries to grapple with Habib once it hits the mat. They just try to instantly get back up to his to their feet because they're so worried about the ground game. I think Poirier's seen it all in the sport of mixed martial arts, and I think he's going to take it slow. I think, and then as Habib starts to tire out, he puts on the pressure and the pace because Poirier can go a hard, hard five rounds without getting tired. You've seen it in the fight in the fights I mentioned previous. He can rip punches over and over and over again, three, four, 500 strikes per fight and not get tired and just push a pace. And if he gets tired, he'll catch a second or a third win. And I think this is what's going to spell the end. I think Habib gets tired towards the middle of that second round. But, you know, we can't say that 100% because he didn't look that exhausted against Conor McGregor, even though he did get tired in that fight. But I think Poirier rips punches you know, is able to hurt Khabib possibly with elbows from his back on the ground if Habib does get top position, maybe threaten some submission attempts from his back. I wouldn't advise to do that, though, because I feel like if Habib escapes your submission attempts and you're on your back, it's just going to be leg lace, trap it, tie up your legs in the triangle mount, and just rip you to shreds and smash you. But I think Poirier, like I said, first round goes to Habib, second round, Poirier starts to pick up the pace a little bit, possibly wins the second round. Third round, he really picks up the pace with that crisp right jab, left straight, right hooks and right uppercuts when they get in close. Stuffs a few of the takedowns. Habib really gets tired. Fourth round, goes into the fourth round. Habib's exhausted. Poirier still pushing the pace, and he hurts Poor, or he hurts Habib with uh, his left straight, stumbles him, and then just bum rushes him up against the fence with that right hook, right uppercut, left and right hooks to the body, up the middle, knees to the body, elbows, and finishes 
Habib Nurmagomedov in the fourth round to become the reigning defending lightweight champion of the world and hand Habib Nurmagomedov his first loss. That's how I see this fight playing out. I know everybody's counting out this man, but you cannot count out Dustin the Diamond Poirier. It's not a smart idea. Just don't do it. And I'm picking Poirier to become the new lightweight champion at UFC 242. That's it, guys. I hope you enjoyed my breakdown for this card. I'm really excited for this fight. Can't wait for the main event. It's been a fight I've been looking forward to ever since Poirier beat Holloway at 236. And yeah, guys, um, support the podcast if you'd like to. Donate. Um, put it out on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook, anything you have. Send it to your friends, boyfriends, girlfriends, cousins, nieces, nephews, brothers, sisters, anybody you got, send it to them because we need to get out there. I'm trying to gain sponsorship. So if anybody is listening who would like to sponsor the Touch Em Up podcast, definitely reach out to me and we can work it out, work something out. But this has been the Touch Em Up podcast breakdown on UFC 242. I'm your host, Double M. And I'm out, everybody. Have a good night, all right?